stand with me if you will. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 17. 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 17. Let's begin reading in verse 17. The battle that day was extremely fierce. And Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by David's soldiers. The three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab, Abishai, and Asahel. Asahel was a fast runner, like one of the wild gazelles. He chased Abner and did not turn to the right or the left in his pursuit of him. Abner glanced back and said, is that you, Asahel? Yes, he said, Asahel replied. Uh, Abner said to him, Turn to your right or left, seize one of the young soldiers, and take whatever you can get from him. But Asahel would not stop chasing him. Once again, Abner warned Asahel, Stop chasing me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How could I ever look your brother Joab in the face? But Asahel refused to turn away. So Abner hit him in the stomach with the end of his spear. The spear went through his body, and he fell and died right there. And all who came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died, they stopped. But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner. By sunset, they had gone as far as the hill of Amma, which is opposite Gia, on the way to the wilderness of Gibeon. The Benjamites rallied to Abner. They formed a single unit and took their stand on top of a hill. Then Abner called out to Joab, Must the sword devour forever? Don't you realize this will only end in bitterness? How long before you tell the troops to stop pursuing their brothers? As God lives, Joab replied, if you had not spoken, the troops wouldn't have stopped pursuing their brothers until morning. Then Joab blew the ram's horns, and all the troops stopped, and they no longer pursued Israel or continued to fight. And then look with me at verse 1 of chapter 3. The war between the house of Saul and the house of David was long and drawn out, with David going stronger and the house of Saul becoming weaker. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Ammon, Amnon, followed by uh, his firstborn was Amnon by Hinoam the Jezreelite. His second was Kiliab by Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. The third was Absalom son of Maacah the daughter of King Talmai of Geshur. The fourth was Adonijah son of Haggith. The fifth was Shephatiah son of Abital. The sixth was Ithream by David's wife Eglah. These were born to David in Hebron. During the war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner kept acquiring more power for the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, and Ishbosheth questioned Abner, Why did you sleep with my father's concubine? Abner was very angry about Ishbosheth's uh, accusation. Am I a dog's head who belongs to Judah? he asked. All this time I've been loyal to the house of your father Saul, to his brothers and to his friends, and haven't handed you over to David. But now you accuse me of wrongdoing with this woman. May God punish Abner and do so severely if I don't do for David what the Lord swore to him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul to establish the throne of David over Israel and Judah from Dan to Beersheba. You can be seated. Judas was there when Mary poured out the expensive ointment on the feet of Jesus and anointed his head with it. 
And uh, the scripture says, whatever she uh, is mentioned, she will be mentioned in a way that honors God because what she has done is a very precious thing for the Lord Jesus Christ. But Judas didn't see it that way. He said, why wasn't this taken and sold to give to the poor? But see, he really wasn't concerned about that. He was concerned about the money because he kept the purse and he was going to dip into that purse. You see, to Judas, money was more important than the work of God. And Judas chose that very night to betray Jesus to death. Uh, I want you to know something. We have choices in our lives. What we're going to put first in our lives. Who we're going to trust in our lives. And I believe we need to put Christ first in everything. God needs to be the first priority of our life. He needs to be the one in whom we place our trust above all others and anything else in life. In this this, uh, section of scripture that we've talked about, we have three different individuals, all who had misplaced trust. Asahel had trust in his goals, his earthly goals. And David uh, had trust in the intermarriage with these foreign uh, princesses to establish uh, these alliances with these foreign kingdoms. And Ishbosheth had trust in his own false accusations. But you see, when you put your trust in anything primarily above God, you're in trouble. And, uh, and we see this in the life of these individuals. And I'm convinced that as God's people, we need to put our trust in God above everything and everyone else in life. And the time of message is avoiding misplaced trust. How do we do that? What, what, uh, what things do we substitute for a trust in God? Well, the first thing you see is we substitute earthly goals. Earthly goals. Uh, Verse 18 uh, of chapter 2 says this, Asahel was a fast runner like one of the wild gazelles. He chased Abner and did not turn to the right or the left in his pursuit of him. Now, the scripture emphasizes this, did not turn to the right or the left. Abner says, Asahel, turn to the right or the left. Uh, Deal with one of these young soldiers and get what you can get from him, but leave off following me. But Asahel wouldn't listen. You say, well, there are casualties in battle. Well, yes, I I realize that. But the scripture here is emphasizing something, I believe. Saying this over and over again, he did not turn to the right or to the left. Did not turn to the right or to the left. Abner says, turn to the right or to the left. When the scripture says something several times, he's meaning for us to take notice of it. Asahel had a goal, and I believe his goal was to kill Abner and establish a name for himself. Some people say, well, Joab commanded him to do it. Well, in that case, it doesn't change. Then Joab had the goal to kill Abner and make a name for himself and to establish the kingdom in David's hands. But here's something that is very interesting. Nothing is recorded about anybody consulting God about this battle. You see, this battle between Israel and Judah came about, but nobody asked God about it. Sometimes things that happen in life, 
and there, there are things we're going on, and we're going through life, and, and uh, we haven't really consulted God, but we have a goal that we want to achieve. Uh, it's very understandable to believe why Joab and Asahel would want to take care of Abner, because he had authority and influence uh, with that northern kingdom. And if they could take care of Abner, they could establish the kingdom for David, but they also probably had the motivation of the fact that if Abner ever came over to David's side, they knew that he would probably get a prominent position with David. We see that later on in the story. That's exactly what happens. And the fact of the matter is, they had these earthly goals to establish names for themselves. And Asahel had this. He would not turn to the right or to the left. He was going to achieve his goal no matter what happened. He was determined. Have you ever seen somebody determined? Sometimes that can be a great thing. Determination and focus can help you achieve some great things. But if it is determination and focus that is against the plan and the purpose of God, it doesn't matter how focused you are. Your purpose will not succeed. So he had these earthly goals. Are earthly goals wrong? Of course not. They're wrong when you trust them over and above the things of God. Now, if they had asked the Lord, Lord, is it your will for us to go after Abner? And God had given them the go-ahead, that would have been a different story. But they didn't ask God. They went and they pursued him. Now, you have goals in your life and I have goals in my life and we want to see those goals achieved. Nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I think it's a good thing to have goals. But you need to place those goals under the foot of God's throne. And you need to be willing to surrender those goals to the plans and purposes of God. Saul had a goal, didn't he? Keep the kingdom for himself. But it didn't happen. Why? Because God was not with him. When your goal goes against God's purpose, it's not going to have God's blessing. And so you need, as a child of God, we're called to daily take up our cross and follow Jesus. And so that means I surrender to his purpose. Uh, We're told a story in the book of Genesis that uh, Rachel, uh, the wife of Jacob, was barren. She could not bear children. And she was frustrated by this. Her sister's having all these kids and she has no kids And in that culture, it was a big deal. Uh, And so she begins to just get frustrated. Finally, one day, she says, Jacob, give me children or I die. And he kind of got upset. You know, he says, well, I'm in the place of God. I can't give you children. What are you talking about here? Ironically, Rachel eventually has children and her second child, she dies in childbirth. Sometimes the thing that we want the most is the thing that can bring an end to us. We need to surrender our goals to the purpose of God. She got one child. She named him Joseph, which means may he add. God, I want more. And this goal that she had ended in her own death. Jesus said this. He said, he who would seek to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You know what I'm convinced of? 
when we surrender our goals to Christ and are willing to take up his goals for our lives, we're going to find that his goals are better than our goals. Can I tell you something? God was able to accomplish for David all that David needed. God was able to do it without Joab. He was able to do it without Asahel. And God could have accomplished all that David needed. and He could have given them a good position in the army if that was God's will for them. But they didn't trust him. You see, you and I sometimes take matters into our own hands and try to do things for God. Uh, we, we find out in Genesis again that Abraham took Hagar and had a child by Hagar. She was Sarah's servant, and Sarah had said, Take my concubine, my handmaiden here, have a child by her since I can't have children. Abraham did, and, and Ishmael was born, and the scripture tells us that Isaac, Abraham's son through Sarah, later on, and Ishmael didn't get along. And guess what? They still don't get along to this day. The Arab-Israeli conflict is the fruit of taking matters into to our own hands. And so, uh, trust God with your life. Be willing to set aside your own goals for the goals and purposes of God for your life. And I think what you're going to find is that God's goals are better than your goals. And you're going to find that God will give you satisfaction and joy in the fulfillment of his purpose for your life. There's nothing greater, I believe, in this world than to fulfill the purpose of God. And so, uh, seek, seek the Lord and ask God about the goals that you have and surrender those goals to him. So, avoiding misplaced trust. Instead of putting our trust in earthly goals, put our trust in Christ. Put our trust in God. Uh, secondly, instead of, of putting our trust in earthly goals and in human relationships, put our trust in God. Human relationships. So avoiding misplaced goals. First of all, the first one is earthly goals. The second one is human relationships. If you look in chapter 3 and verse 2, sons were born to David and Hebron. Now, he's going to list these different sons and the different wives that are given uh, and the different, uh, the different houses of David's house. You see, what was David doing? He was trying to establish alliances. Uh, at the end of, uh, of the chapter, he talks about the fact that he's sending off for Michael, the daughter of Saul, who Saul took away from him, and it wasn't legal that he do that, but he did. He gave her to another man in marriage, and uh, David says, hey, that's my wife. There's been no divorce. I want her back. And so, uh, you know, there's this desire to establish himself as a ruler by being associated with Saul's house, by, with Judah, with these foreign countries around him to consolidate his power. It's a human way of consolidating power. But what did God say? In Deuteronomy 17, 17, God told the kings of Israel they were not to multiply wives because they were to trust in God and they were not to multiply wives. Why? Because also their hearts could be turned aside to idolatry. And so uh, how many, by the way, how many people did God create in the Garden of Eden for a marriage? One man 
one woman, Adam and Eve. That's God's best. That's God's plan. Um, God tolerated the polygamy that went on in Israel's early history, but he told the kings, I expect you to not multiply your wives. So David does this in disobedience to God. Again, you see him trying to help God out in fulfilling God's purpose for his life. In David's case, what he was trying to achieve was what God had for his life. But he was trying to achieve it in a disobedient way. Uh, And so he was putting these human relationships as a higher thing of trust than his trust in God. Whenever you disobey God, you're trusting in something other than God. He's saying, look, I need these alliances. God says, I want you to trust me, David. I will establish your kingdom. Now, I want you to look and see what happens by looking at some of these names. Amnon in verse 2. Absalom in verse 3. Adonijah in verse 4. Guess what? All of these different sons ended up causing David grief and heartache, and later Solomon. Amnon raped his half-sister, the sister of Absalom. Absalom plots against Amnon's life and kills Amnon and all the king's sons who were gathered there with him. Later on, you fast forward a few years, Solomon has taken his reign, has begun to reign in And Adonijah is trying to take the throne from Solomon by making a request for one of the king's concubines. And uh, Solomon has him put to death. So you see, all this intrigue and all this evil that's happening in the family of David comes about because he has failed to trust God and surrender to the Lord's will for his life. He's trusting in human relationships over putting your trust in God. Make sure you don't trust human relationships more than you trust God. Sometimes we may trust in a parent. We may trust in a sibling. We may trust in a good friend. We may trust the advice of someone we respect. All of that is good, but don't make them your primary trust. Put your primary trust in God and follow Him in obedience. David had done that, he would have saved himself a bunch of heartache in his life. So, avoiding misplaced trust, first of all, earthly goals, secondly, human relationships, and thirdly, false accusations. Skip on to verse 7 of chapter 3. It says, Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, and Ishbosheth questioned Abner, Why did you sleep with my father's concubine? Abner was angry, and Abner decides that he is going to establish David's kingdom instead of Ishbosheth's kingdom. I see this as the hand of God in, uh, in bringing Abner over to the side of David. But in Ishbosheth's case, he should have trusted God. Why was he so concerned? Well, one reason was to receive the concubine of the former king was to receive the kingdom. That's the way it was viewed in the ancient Near East. And so he's basically accusing Abner of plotting to take the throne from him. 
Abner didn't need help. I mean, if he'd have wanted to take the throne, he could have done it. He had the power. He was uh, the, the uh, general over the army, and the men followed him. The only reason they'd crowned Ishbosheth king in the first place is because Abner said to do it. So Ishbosheth is accusing Abner. Does this sound familiar? Who's Ishbosheth's father? Saul. What was he doing to David? Accusing him falsely. It was his mode, mode of operation. He was fearful and insecure because he saw that the hand of God was with David, but it wasn't with him. Ishbosheth knows that in his heart too. He knows that David is God's anointed. He knows that God has given the kingdom to David, but he has set his purpose to rule over these northern tribes, even though he knows it's not God's will. And so he's fearful, as he should be. You know, you set your plan against God. I was reading in Proverbs this morning. There is no wisdom or counsel that can prevail against the purpose of God. And so Ishbosheth is worried and he's insecure because he knows really God has given the kingdom to David. And so he's wondering what's going to happen next. You know, who, who's going to betray me? What's going to happen? And so he's trying to control these things by, by this false accusation as his father had done. But there's a big difference. He didn't have the power that his father had. And Abner departs to build up the house of David. I've seen people who trust in false accusation. They don't get their way in the family and they accuse somebody else. Uh, that's happened in, uh, uh, in my extended family. There's, I, I was told a story one time about that. Uh, I've seen that happen in churches. I've seen uh, somebody not get their way, so they start spreading a lie about someone else in the church. Uh, and before long, there's two sides, right? There's a side that believes it and a side that doesn't. And, and there's disruption and there's discord. But here's the thing. Ultimately, God's purpose will stand. Ishbosheth, instead of trusting in, in this false accusation, he should have put his trust in God and said, look, this kingdom's not mine. God's given it to David. I'm going to support David. But he refused to do that. He refused to surrender to the Lord and put him first in his life. And so he trusted in other things. Uh, I want you to know something. When you have misplaced trust in your life, you're going to be disappointed. David was disappointed, wasn't he? Ishbosheth is very disappointed. You know, this is the beginning of the end for his reign. Asahel, of course, he was, he was killed. That's very, very great disappointment there. Uh, you're trusting in other things. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's no one who can deliver for you like the Lord. There's no one. There's no one who cares for you the way he does. There's no one who has a purpose for you that will stand the test of time and, and, and end up making an eternal difference if you follow him and trust him like the Lord. Jesus said, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. What I found in my life, I was trying to hold on to things, but when I finally surrendered my life to Christ and put my trust in him, that's where life began. Life is found in surrendering. It's found in laying yourself and your own goals down for the sake of Christ. That's where true abundant life takes place. 
Jesus has abundant life for you. I believe that with all my heart. He wants every child of God to live in his joy. But it won't happen if you don't trust him and put him first in your life. Surrender to the purposes of God for your life. What are the consequences of this? We've talked about some negative consequences, but what about the positive consequences of trusting God? Um, I look at, at Abraham. Yeah, Abraham was a great man of faith, wasn't he? You find him talked about through the whole scripture as a man of faith. Abraham trusted God. And you find that there, there are descendants that come after him that are the descendants of faith. Um, and he made a true lasting difference in the, in the, in the uh, eternal things of God. He became the forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Abraham, through his example, <clears throat> has inspired both Jewish people and Christian people to trust God. Now, when Jewish people believe the gospel, they really begin to benefit. Amen? They're, I don't believe anybody is, is saved apart from faith in Jesus Christ. But <clears throat> Abraham's example has stood the test of time. You look at the uh, two lines of, of uh, Seth and Cain in Scripture, and you see... Cain gives birth to these murderers and all these things are happening in his line. Seth is the line of faith. And all of these different godly people come from his line. Why? Because he trusted God. I believe one of the most powerful things you could ever do is trust God. Why? Not only does it have a benefit in your life, but it has a benefit after you're gone. Generations can be affected by the faith of one godly person um, I love Hebrews chapter 11 it talks about the great things that have been accomplished by faith in God um, they quenched the power of fire uh, they overcame in battle uh, they did all these great feats and wonders Moses brought the Israelites up out of Israel by faith in God Noah survived the flood by faith Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain by faith. All these things by faith they accomplished in this life. Some suffered for the sake of Christ and were put to death or were persecuted for the sake of the gospel. And the Bible says God has given them a greater reward. But by faith they are considered those such as whom the world was not worthy. All these things happened by faith. You know what Jesus said, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He said, according to your faith, so it will be to you. Uh, what is the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. Taking up the sword of the, of the Spirit and the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You want power in spiritual battle. It comes by faith. You want to please God, it comes by faith. Every facet of Christian life is affected by faith. Put your faith in God as the primary person in your life. Trust Him above everything else. Trust Him above your bank account. 
Trust him above whatever job that you have or situation that you have. Trust him above the people in your life. Trust him above everything. Put him first. Do what he says first. And you will find blessing in your life and joy in your life and purpose in your life unlike at any other way that you would find those things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to put our trust in you first and foremost in our lives. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today they would surrender their lives to him and put their trust in what Jesus has done at the cross and paying for their sins. And uh, Father, I pray that... um, People would be changed, Lord, by faith in Jesus Christ here this morning. That you'd have your way. Lord, help us as Christians every day to take up our cross and follow you.